Coming up on This Week in Games, Tencent makes its move to consolidate game streaming in China. A number of major esports events have been delayed or canceled, and JackX, the developers behind the long-running MMO RuneScape, has a new home. Coming up This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and this wasn't our best week in the industry. A number of kind of outright depressing stories during a worldwide pandemic, but there are some major business shifts this week as well, so let's kick it off with a number of COVID-19 related cancellations. So EVO 2020, also known as the Evolution Fighting Game Championship Series, is officially canceled. EVO is considered the premier fighting game tournament in the world, held yearly in Las Vegas where thousands thousands of fighting game players and fans descend to take their shot at supremacy in their respective titles. EVO was set to occur from July 31st to August 2nd at the Mandolin Bay and included an eight-game made stage roster. Um, EVO organizer Joey Mr. Wizard Suelo, sorry I mispronounced your last name, said there will be an EVO online that takes place uh in its place this year, but clearly it can't support 5,000 person brackets that some games generate at Evo in Las Vegas. More details will come on Evo online. Pretty disappointing. Um, Epic has announced that the Fortnite World Cup will be canceled and not replaced with an online event. The Fortnite World Cup is the biggest Fortnite event of the year, where over $30 million in prizes were rewarded last year. And Valve has opted to delay rather than cancel or go online um, when it comes to their biggest event of the year, Dota's to the International. So the International is one of the biggest and sometimes the biggest esports event of the year and gives out cash rewards of up to $34 million. Rumors are that the International won't occur until 2021. I'm a huge fan of fighting games. I've been to EVO twice in my life. Amazing experience. I was really looking forward to see what transpires during a worldwide Grand Blue Fantasy Versus tournament. Really disappointed Evo's canceled. Um, the online event, I mean, everyone knows in fighting games. So if you don't know, uh, frame count is super important in fighting games. So that means it, games normally run at 60 frames a second. So one frame is 1 60th of a second. And a lot of games have links or combos or things that can only occur if you hit buttons at the exact 160th frame of a second, like a one frame link. And taking EVO online, yes, it'll be fun to see. It's just not the same. It's not remotely the same. Your reaction times, those millisecond delays really matter in fighting games more than anything else. Like, I, let's be honest. Like, you could play a MOBA online and... Uh, Really, it not change if that much from when you were playing LAN, even in a competitive environment. But man, some of these fighting games, like they're so frame heavy and frame dependent, and their buffer windows for when things can come out um, aren't that big. And so, having an online Evo, yes, it'll be fun. Yes, I'll take it over anything. However, not the same. I'm sure Fortnite and Dota 2 fans are equally as sad. It's just shitty all around. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, next up, GDC Summer. The smaller event that was to uh, be held in place of March's GDC, which went online, will now also be an online-only event. So this is a little confusing. GDC Summer 
will occur di digitally from August 4th through August 6th. The real question is now is, since regular GDC in March became a series of digital talks, what content will GDC Summer include? Will GDC Summer be other talks that were meant for March's GDC? So GDC Summer was created as an in-person networking event that was gonna be a smaller three-day event, um, obviously in August, like I just said. And it was to replace the lack of in-person event that GDC Online had. Because GDC Online was just uh, people who were going to speak in GDC in March recording their presentations anyways. And then them streaming them on Twitch and putting them on YouTube or the GDC Vault. Now the real question is, what is GDC Summer going to be? I'm curious to see. Um, obviously now maybe they have a chance to differentiate themselves, learn from the successes and difficulties that GDC March had. But again, like what are you, what are, what are you going to do? I mean, this was supposed to be an in-person replacement and now this will be online. So we'll have to wait for more news. Um, I'm very bullish on GDC. I love GDC. Anyone who is remotely involved in, if you're listening to this podcast, you're involved in game business, obviously. So you should be on the edge of your seat to see what they're going to do for GDC Summer. Also, in more Expo news, EGX Res 2020 has been canceled as well. So one of London's biggest game industry events. Uh, so there's EGX and EGX Res. EGX focuses on blockbuster kind of console games, and EGX Res focuses on PC and indie titles. Well, EGX Res has officially been canceled after being pushed back to July earlier this year. EGX Res ticket holders will receive upgrades to EGX, uh, the regular event, the other event, sorry, EGX tickets, um, again, an event that focuses more on blockbuster games that will occur in September, but are entitled to a full refund if they email egx.helpline at readexpo.co.uk. Obviously, you can just research this online for that email so you can send it off. Um, another bummer, I mean, I'm, you, you just can't help it. This, these things are going to happen for the rest of the year. Bohemian Interactive, however, closed down their Bratislava studio, who was, uh, I guess, originally responsible for most of the content in Daisy. So GameIndustry.biz is reporting that via Twitter and later confirmed by that news outlet, Bohemian Interactive is closing down their Daisy studio in Bratislava, Slovakia. Over 40 employees were impacted by the closures, and Daisy development has been offloaded to the other studios within Bohemian Interactive. On a positive spin, Bohemian Interactive has said that leads from the Bratislava um, studio have already formed a new company named Nine Rock Games in the ashes of the studio. So that's pretty positive. Not much for me to commentate on this. Obviously, uh, Daisy isn't quite what it was many years ago before Battle Royale Kingpins like PUBG, Fortnite, and Apex Legend appeared. And kind of, I don't want to say like Daisy is a Battle Royale. Like, I mean, those three games kind of like took that same market share, I'll say. Hopefully, I'm not really that into shooters. Hopefully, Nine Rock Games goes on to do great work and kind of keep the game development in that uh, city alive. Honestly, just bummers all around from the game industry. It was kind of a downer week for news, but I do have a bit of positive news um, before we head into the business news. Jen's begging him in. Begging him in. Oh, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, people. Jen's begging him in. Leaves Wu after 11 years, and Nai Ching is named the new CEO of Wu. So the reason I'm reporting this story is I've worked with Nai Ching 
at Zynga San Diego before he left to oversee the Natural Motion Studio within Zynga. And I've also had a number of conversations with him while we were both at Google, and he was the head of glo- he was the global head of Games Growth Consulting. Um, Nye's a super smart and effective leader, and I'll keep an eye out for see what he does with this like over ten year old social gaming studio, um, Wooga. So pretty interesting news there. All right, let's get to the business news. That's why you guys are here. And man, this was a big one this week. This is maybe one of the biggest news events that I don't see many people making a big deal about. This is absolutely bonkers. You kind of knew it was coming, and you'll see why. The big news... Chinese In the Chinese game streaming space, Tencent takes voting control over Huya, its largest game, screen, game streaming competitor to the platform. They already have a majority share in Douyu and their own game streaming platform, eGame. Okay, so I'll break it down. Huya is China's largest video game focused streaming platform. When in Q4 of last year, they claimed their monthly active users were 146.1 million. That's insane. Uh, Douyu, the other streaming giant in China, streams more than video games, things like sports and some TV shows, and boasts an MAU of 163.6 million. But, sh- you know, uh, they stream more than games, and esports and game streaming account for, I think, 60% of around 60% of their total viewing. The Motley Fool is reporting that. Tencent recently exercised that option that they bought two years ago and raised its stake to 50.1% voting shares by buying 16.5 million Class B shares of Huya for about $262.6 million. That's insane. That purchase took Huya's parent company, Joy's, voting stake from 55.5% to 43%. So Tencent effectively took Huya from its own parent company. That would be like you taking Twitch voting shares from Amazon if uh, Twitch had its own voting shares. It's, it's pretty insane. This all comes off a play in 2018, where in the same day or the same 24-hour ten- period, Tencent dumped $461.6 million into Huya and $632 million into Douyu. These are insane numbers, people. Like, Do you hear how high these numbers are? And uh, th- what I mentioned before where Tencent um, purchases extra voting shares, that was an option that came with this play back in 2018. Tencent is currently the controlling stakeholder of Douyu with a stake of approximately 37.2% and has recently replaced board of directors at both streaming giants Douyu and Huya. Now along with their own streaming platform eGame, Tencent has completely cornered game streaming in China. Kind of everyone eagerly awaits what their next move is. So currently eGame, Huya, and Douyu are operated independently, but whether Tencent consolidates their powers under a single unit or kind of shares information or users between all three of them. One thing is clear, like Tencent basically owns the intention of a entire generation of Chinese gamers. And if you look at the numbers and percentages of Gen Z and millennials in China that watch game streaming, I mean, it's over 50%, depending on where you look. So Tencent basically has the eyes of China. And also they have like shares in everything and they're one of they they are the biggest game publisher in China. This would be like if Activision Blizzard was multiple, multiple times bigger than where they are now and owned Tencent plus voting share, voting controller stake of YouTube gaming and voting controller stake of Microsoft Mixer. I mean, it's 
absolutely insane. I mean, and then you have to add on that, like, oh, Tencent owns Riot, who's launching, like, six games in the next year. Tencent owns 40% of Epic Games. Tencent owns a stake in Activision Blizzard. You know, like, you're starting to see how crazy it is, uh, <laughs> this company, and what scale they're operating at. And although it this seems very scary from a competitive standpoint, um, I will say when giant companies consolidate power like this, it opens up competition from smaller outfits. Like Tencent is very smart, um, but Tencent does make bad investments. Tencent has blind sides. And if everyone's consolidated under Tencent, now you have the opportunity to offer the rest of the world something different other than Tencent. You know, I mean, that's the positive of this. China and the rest of the world will kind of wait and see what Tencent does next with its overwhelming power. I don't know, it's very interesting. I mean, the one thing I'll say about Tencent that's also very positive is a lot of these stakes they have in companies, like 40% of Epic, from what I hear, you know, this is all anecdotal, um, they don't like push around Epic and they don't try to tell Epic what to do. And, you know, Tim Sweeney's come out and talked negatively i believe about china before and tencent you know didn't publicly like uh put them down or anything so tencent does seem to be passively involved in a lot of companies that they have stakes in and maybe though although they report they uh remove board of directors and things like that you know maybe they'll honestly passively operate all three of these streaming platforms independently so that's a positive spin as well um, but very interesting. I honestly, I'm shocked that this isn't like plastered everywhere with a bunch of op-ads being written about it. Like this is big, big news, probably like arguably the biggest news of the year so far, you know, like, well, this is absolutely insane. Um, why don't you guys take that in, go to the show notes, read some links that I have. Um, it's pretty big, pretty big. All right. Next up, Jagex, developers of the famed MMO RuneScape is acquired by MacArthur Fortune Holdings for, get this, $530 million. That's insane. So it was heavily rumored in 2019 that Fukong Interactive Entertainment, uh, the Chinese game firm that owned the parent company, Hong Kong-based uh, Hongtao Network, who in turn then owned RuneScape, was looking for a buyer for the MMO and its developer Jagex last year. So the search is over as the MacArthur Fortune Holdings Platinum Fortune Fund that's a, that's a long-ass name, Purchase Jagex and the Hong Kong-based Hongtao Network for $530 million. Jagex was purchased by Fukong for $230 million back in 2016. So the sell brings like man, pretty close to a 50% ROI, which frankly is insane when you're dealing with numbers that big. MacArthur is looking to scale RuneScape further, investing in RuneScape R&D and UA for the long-running MMO. Also pretty interesting, um, they purchased this bullish, you know, they purchased this saying, oh, RuneScape's been on a grow growing for like almost 20 years, we can grow it more, like it has a long, longer tail than this. <laughs> so smart move by both companies, Fukong gets 50% return, Jagex is a new owner who wants to reinvest and scale RuneScape even further. I don't know, can RuneScape scale more? I, I don't have the answer to that, I don't really play it, I don't keep that much up with MMOs these days. The last time I really dived into kind of the MMO world was Black Desert Online. So what RuneScape is in modern gaming, I don't know, but clearly for $530 million, a lot of people are bullish on it. I do see it pop up on Twitch all the time as one of the top games. And uh, 
yeah, let's see what they do with RuneScape. Who knows? I mean, <laughs> RuneScape could be here for another 20 years, guys. It's pretty crazy. All right, next up, Scopely acquires Peerplay, an existing partner studio. So Scopely acquires the studio responsible for one of their biggest hit games of the year, Scrabble Go. Scopely tapped Peerplay to develop and oversee Scrabble Go, which launched earlier this year in March. Peerplay was founded in 2016 by veterans from Playtika's Bingo Blitz studio. So, you know, a studio very familiar with working with, like, physical board game IP um, well, Bingo is an IP, but, you know, they turned Bingo into a social game at Playtika, made Playtika a lot of money, formed their own studio, turned uh, Scrabble, you know, obviously heavily influenced by Words with Friends, who in turn was heavily influenced by Scrabble's board game, turned that into a game. It's a hit game. They post some numbers. You can check in the show links. Numbers seem insane. Um, unfortunately, the acquisition amount wasn't disclosed, which I honestly hate. Uh, Scopely has been refilling their war chests for studio and individual games acquisitions to the tune of $400 million. So it makes sense that they snap up the studio they like before Scrabble Go becomes too big of a hit that the revenue shared to Peerplay inflates their studio value. So what I mean by this is uh, when Peerplay makes Scrabble Go, I don't know this for sure. I'm just taking a guess. They get some revenue share, like maybe 50% of net profits, right? from Scrabble Go and Scopely liked Scrabble Go, Scopely likes Peer Play. It launched, it's successful, Scrabble Go's successful, Scopely's like shit. Peer Play's about to get cash every month. So before they inflate too much, before they get too much cash, before they hire too many people, before they go sign new deals, we should sweep them up and put them under our banner because these people are smart and they can make more hit games for us. So again, I think it's win-win all around. Clearly, pure play like getting bought out. Clearly, Scopely like what they saw. Everyone wins. These are the stories we like on this week in games, the everyone wins stories. All right, next up, Bulblar Group acquires Goodbye Kansas for $5.7 million. So an interesting acquisition story. The Bublar Group is kind of like a mixed reality work-for-hire studio that dabbles in everything from entertainment to training simulations, and they acquire visual effects studio Goodbye Kansas for $5.7 million in pure shares, meaning Goodbye Kansas gets no cash for the acquisitions, but uh, the $5.7 million is in shares of, I assume, the Bublar Group or their parents' company. I should note Goodbye Kansas is not Goodbye Kansas Invest, who I've talked about a ton on here. And Goodbye Kansas Invest was acquired by the Embracer, Embracer Group a while ago. This Goodbye Kansas is a visual stack studio who honestly has a very impressive portfolio. You can check it out online. I have their link in the show notes. Their stuff looks really good. And they've worked on things like everything from video games to even the Jack Ryan uh, Amazon series. It's a very interesting acquisition. You know, I don't really know what a good visual effects studio is worth. I, I can't say a five point, like to me, 5.7 million in pure shares and no cash is low, but I, I don't know. I don't know the space. And, um, you know, I don't know what Goodbye Kansas's cash flow was. So maybe they took this acquisition because underneath uh, the Bublar group, they can continue payroll. They can amplify their future. And the two studios working together can make way more money so the acquisition was probably more strategic than outright like getting the money and running so good all around and last up of the week we have fundraising so gilded raises seven million in a series a seven million pretty good gilded describes itself as a service as 
Quote, Gilded upgrades your group chat and equips your server with integrated event calendars, forums, and more. I mean, if I went through a lot of their promotional material. It seems like it's yet another game-focused chat service and a long line of these game-focused chat services. Um, their focus is organizing gamers within competitive leagues and esports teams. So Discord gets brought up anytime a game chat service raises money. Gildit claims that their services are much more tightly organized and focus on scheduling and calendaring two things Discord doesn't do well. So I, I don't know the space. I use Discord for a few things. Um, I've never tried any of their competitors. Discord to me, <laughs> it's, I don't really, I don't see the hype. Uh, the gamers love it, especially like uh, guilds and, you know, competitive teams and companies for like, getting group community and community management going. People love Discord for all those things. The Series A for Gilded was led by Matrix Partners, who I don't see on here as much, but they were one of the original investors in the Oculus uh, VR before Facebook acquired them. And this brings Gilded's total funding to a little over $10 million from their seed round. But man, user-facing chat services are hard. They're really hard. So like Discord, you know, everyone knows Discord. They have all the users. Discord has every user who's going to, you know, be a gamer who's going to use a separate chat app for game discussions. And it's still only valued at $2 billion after a failed digital game store and a failed premium subscription called Nitro. And I know $2 billion is an insane amount, right? Sounds like I'm shitting on them, but you have to understand Discord has the market. It has all the gamers who are ever going to use this. And they've been at $2 billion, from my understanding, for a while. So I don't, I'm not really bullish on this. I mean, the real question is for Gilded, right? Let's ignore whether, you know, they're, what's special about them really separates them from Discord or is really needed. Let's assume it is. Like, let's assume it be more tightly organized and scheduling and calendaring. All this is amazing. People want this. This is something cool. The real question is, how do you acquire all the users for your platform? Because you have to first acquire all the users, and then you go to esports teams or competitive leagues or stuff and charge them for access to these users. Or... Do you go to the esports and competitive teams and charge them for access to set up these structures and then hope that that drives the users? Well, then in that case, why don't the esports and competitive leagues just run this stuff themselves? So it's a tough business. I I don't know it that well. Good luck to Guild it. Um, hopefully you guys can, you know, break through and, uh, you know, see where it goes. All right. That's it for this week in games. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Also, leave me a comment and let me know how I'm doing. You can email me at eric at thisweekingames.com. If you have any comments or suggestions on future stories, lastly, please check out the show notes for any stories you heard on today's episode. Thank you for joining us. I'm, I know, it was, a, it was a bit of a bummer week, but man, Tencent uh, cornering game streaming in China is honestly again it's it's more insane than you guys realize and uh come back next week and we'll do it all over again on this week in games take care guys